This is not complicated, just green. And it's time for an installment of Common Sense for Better Construction. We're bridging the information gap to help you reach a brighter future in the built world. Today's episode is sponsored by Creative Interface Architecture and Interiors, making sustainable construction practically impactful. Check us out at www.creativeinterface.design. Welcome, friends. I'm your host, James, and I'm very excited to present the third and final part of the series featuring the people that are making block solutions a revolutionary reality in the built world, operating in an environmentally, socially, and economically sustainable way. Now, if you haven't already listened to part one and part two of this conversation on construction blocks made of recycled plastics, that's okay. We encourage you to check out those episodes and enjoy learning how this building product was created and how it's being used to build around the world in places that were previously thought to be out of reach. In today's episode, I'm very excited to introduce you to Dr. Les Sneed, a longtime activist for equality within the construction industry and an excellent example of how the built world can make a positive impact on people and communities. With his charming Southern drawl and humble charisma, he has a knack for building connections with powerful allies, which has allowed him to make a very big difference in his hometown and across the globe, from creating jobs to providing affordable homes to bringing infrastructure to countries where the internet had never been available before. Today, he is spearheading efforts to bring new building methods and products to the U.S. that will make a huge difference for our climate, economy, environment, and the stability of the most vulnerable citizens. Now make sure to listen to the other two parts of the series, and please enjoy. Les, share with me your background and your experiences as a builder. I come from North Carolina, real terrible place. You know, mom, eight kids, single parent, dirt road, grew up poor, working three jobs. So as I began my career back in 79, I, I saw where I could make an impact in the trade that I learned in construction. First year out of high school, um, got a contract in metal stud framing. And uh, Demandable Petition was a new product that had just come to the United States. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was one of the first African-Americans that uh, learned the product so well. The gentleman that owned the company, CEO and founder, brought me in at 17, 18 as a subcontractor, working people in my community, helping to make more money at that moment. At that time, it was $2 an hour <laughs> back in the 70s, telling my age. But yeah. it was, uh, he started me at four fifth an hour. And everyone I hired and trained up under me and worked for me when I started subcontracting, they was making 5 $6 an hour. So it made an impact on people's lives. So I saw what the difference of, you know, employment would do in training someone to make an individual life. And that was when you were a teenager. Teenager. And so what was the evolution from there? Where were the next steps, the experiences that you had to get you to where you are today? Well, I, I began to do um, commercial drywall, malls, hospitals, restaurants, banks throughout the state of North Carolina. I, I lived in a little town close to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, at the Camp Lejeune. And I began to do some research to see what the federal government, the federal contracts, the difference that it made. And I started a, a federal contracting company back in uh, 1982. Probably one of the first minority disadvantaged contractors in the United States. Hmm. And with the Davis-Bacon Act, uh, working with the U.S. Department of Labor, now instead of $10 an hour, I can give them $15, $20 an hour mm-hmm. for the same trade. So it made sense to me, you know, since I had a job training tra- program and job placement, was to employ uh, people that had been incarcerated, uh, parole and probation, 
working with President Clinton later on, welfare to work, working women, take them off of welfare. Had thousands of women throughout the state of North Carolina with welfare to work. The U.S. Department of Labor, U.S. Department of Energy wrote my curriculum for the first job training program, along with one other nonprofit that was actually in Michigan. Had wrote this was before uh, youth built a lot of other uh, programs out there. Whenever I started with um, with Hope HOP, helping other people. I can see that you had a lot of opportunities. What were some of the problems that you had run into before those kind of things happened? Well, it, it wasn't the labor force. It wasn't the jobs. What problem I, I had was at first was a lot of the contractors that were using these uh, federal dollars that they wasn't using the money like it should supposed to have been spent according to the federal government. And you was problem with labor. They had to advertise in the newspaper that they need a drywall hanger, a welder, electrician, or plumber. They were actually advertised for those particular trades, but when the people come to them, there was no documentation that they hired them. And so U.S. Department of Labor at that time was in North Carolina that they would contact me and that we can put laborers on their jobs. So I use actually my projects as a federal contractor as well as contracts, other contractors throughout the state. What was the reason that this was so important to you? Is it just your background or was there something more that drove you to give these people opportunities and to take care of the people that you focused your trades on or your job opportunities on? Well, I knew construction back in the 70s and 80s and some of the 90s was well-paying jobs back then. A lot of people didn't have to have an education to make good money to make restitution for their, their problem that occurred in their lives. You know, working with uh, parole and probation, a lot of gentlemen in my, in my community, you know, if they couldn't pay $100, they're going to jail. You know, if they can't pay a lawyer, they're going to jail. And so my experience was, okay, I'm going to help the people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help the people do what I can to help them make restitution for whatever need that is. Uh, and that's when Welfare to Work started. I actually petitioned the Oakland Department of Transportation on cleaning the state highways. And they gave me statutory authority to uh, start a company cleaning the highways throughout the state, 188,000 miles using welfare recipients. So it happened, the billboard industry came in and they had to stop, but they um, made a commitment to me, gave me their word. Uh, the deputy secretary and the secretary, Garland Garrett, promised me that they would pass that bill in the legislature. And uh, less than a year and a half later, it did pass in the state legislature on in their uh, Department of Transportation bill. So a law that was passed to allow commercialization on the right-of-way. And I dealt a statewide program that I had launched. And uh, now every state in the union actually used it up the highway because of that one statute that was passed in the state of North Carolina to allow commercialization. In other words, Every billboard that was in the, on the right-of-way had to move, the billboard unit had to move off the right-of-way because they were uh, using the, the right-of-ways for their advertising. Uh, so they made a lot of money, still make a lot of money to maintain the highways. In my community, where I went to school, my mom dropped me off the first day of uh, kindergarten. I ended up, Board of Education in my community, in my county, ended up giving me that school for a dollar a year. I told the campus. I uh, started first 24-hour child care uh, because we work for us to work. A lot of parents would be on third shift. So I ended up starting the first 24-hour daycare center, child care center in the state of North Carolina. Partnered with uh, the community colleges. They allow me to use their community college as well as we call it Department of Social Services or DFACs here. If I wanted to go in and, and uh, interview uh, women that was on welfare, the, the caseworkers would call them in. I, I've had the, I remember back in the first one I did was in Brunswick County, North, uh, North Carolina, near Wilmington, North Carolina. Had over 135 women in one day apply for jobs. 
and they hadn't hadn't seen anything like that. Yeah. And uh, it really impacted their lives. I think 2000 when Floyd came through. I just started the daycare I was telling you about, and um, I heard this on television. Uh, this city called Princeville, North Carolina. I didn't know what it was. I went visited, found out it was the first African American city in the United States that was incorporated in the whole nation. Well, founded by slaves, and they Princeville was like in a bowl. And it was swampland, so they migrated down the Tar River to this uh, city. Mr. Prince started Princeville, and when Florida came, it flooded out the whole city, 21 uh, feet of water for seven days. But anyway, I, I went down there the next day and talked with the city manager and ended up with, with FEMA coming in. And the city manager knew nothing about my experience and what I've been doing during my career. Ended up, before I leave, I'm the project manager. <laughs> so that's how I ended up being the project manager for that particular city, they found out that my family was a part of that movement of those, those slavery. And that's how I got to Africa. And when I went back to West Africa in uh, Benin, right. I met Marcus, went to Finland and visited Finland uh, and Marcus uh, with Block Solutions because I, at that point I was there to, to, to the mayor of Cotonou have given me land to build schools and fit and houses on. And we wanted to find a sustainable way to build an affordable way to build um, houses. So when they came back, that was a solution that adopted it. And then we went into Nigeria, the same thing uh, with with um, with that. And that's how I, I end up with COVID and end up here in Atlanta because I couldn't travel back and forth to, to Africa. As uh, Mr. Marcus was saying about, you know, he actually started in Africa. That's how we started actually got into Ghana, half the Benin and Nigeria and Ghana and then Egypt, and then it starts spreading from there. So you focused a lot of your effort on underserved communities, but you've also spent a lot of your time and energy being focused on eco-positive. Talk to me about why that was something that was important, and how did that come? Was that something that you were interested in from the very beginning, back when you were a teenager, or was it even a part of the conversation at that time? How did that evolve? Well, I've always been concerned with our environment, with the amount of waste that I see going in the landfill every single day. And with uh, our climate change that's going on in, in the world, and the United States is one of the you know, biggest um, participants in helping with, with the way we do things here with plastic. You mean a negative participants, one of the biggest contributors to the problem? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I knew it had to be a, a solution that, that we could. And when I... Um, Found, about, found Marcus and we talked to him about his product and how we can help save, especially in my home country in the United States. You know, just that as a contractor, that the, the cost of building wasn't on, on, on time high at 50% of the deals now. I mean, we're talking about last 50 years. We hadn't seen the construction industry escalate and grow like that. So a 50% more waste means 50% 50, 50 more cost. So we can find a solution that that um, that like block solution. What I saw would be a benefit to helping people uh, with sustainability at home, to help our climate, you know, help with uh, affordable housing. I, I saw that was a great need, and that's when I you know met with um, uh, VA, which I've been working with them for many years. Uh, some of the better federal contracts, and when, in North Carolina, I was actually the um, a pastor and still pastor for many years, and. We were the Black Passive Association for North Carolina. I had uh, North Carolina and South Carolina. And so I got to meet a lot of people, know a lot of people throughout the U.S. and met with me and know a lot of 
you know, agencies. So I think everybody wants, regardless of what side of the fence they're on the door, we need to help people. And that's my goal. That's my job is to bring hope, you know, to help people. That's where the acronym for hope come from is helping other people excel. July 21st and 22nd, we had our uh, meet and greet. It was a very successful meet and greet uh, first time uh, here in Atlanta. Marcus uh, Silverberg came. And uh, most of all, my uh, corporate team from Columbia, about eight of them came from Columbia to be a part of it. They're part of lunch here. They believe in it. They're working with the government. We have the government military there. The new president has already got a message for him yesterday. Uh, from his colleague, one of his colleagues, uh, his leaders in his in this campaign, contacted my contact uh, in Washington D.C. Now I got to go to Washington next week. That uh, ready for me to come to September for our product launch. Uh, also part of Block Solutions, Dominican Republic came to be a part of uh, the um, July of uh, the U.S. product launch to Block Solutions. So uh, Trinidad, Haiti, they they showing up. We're excited about helping people. They have a huge need of, of, of housing. United Nations have been a part of it. They they um, jumping on board as well. The bill that was passed by President um, uh, Biden and Harris for affordable and sustainable housing has some things in with um, manufacturing as, as well as homeless um, and homelessness. Sometimes it feels like these efforts are just a, a drop in the ocean and that there's so much bigger a problem than we have the ability to solve. Do you feel that way, that you're just making a small impact, or do you see that you're making a big impact? I see that I can make a big impact. One, because, you know, how the kid where I come from, <laughs> the hood I come from, can have this kind of vision? I know it didn't come from me. I, I believe and know that we can end, I can end homelessness, literally, one house at a time or one block at a time and give them sustainable and affordable housing uh, and not talking about many years. Right now, there is no solution to homelessness throughout the United States and also throughout the world. In Colombia, it's the same problem. I met with the general. We actually put our first uh, model home on the military base in, in Bogota, which is the capital, uh, on uh, 24th, 25th of uh, September. You know, and the government here is, is definitely you know talking and want to do, some, do the same thing, especially here in my home. That's why I feel so proud. Yeah. And believe having that support of the federal government and the states and, and nonprofits that's supporting the effort. That's power. I'm looking for a solution. What is the future that you visualize if people get on board and these things move forward the way that you want? What do you see as the future? It's got to do employment because, you know, having a home uh, is important. I, I, I call it housing first. Uh, the traditional way to end homelessness is going through counseling and substance abuse and other things. My vision is to give them a home first. When I was growing up, the social worker came to my mom's home, you know, knocked on the door, called her name. She, they knew where she lived. You can't reform someone if they don't have somewhere sustainable, affordable way to live. We, we take them through those processes. I'm, and I, I've done it before through my ministry. And then they go right back on the street because they don't have a place to call home, an address. Right. And that's my vision. My goal is to give them an address called housing first. What does success look like? Homes and jobs. If we're on the whole other job, the job is hard. They get one, build one. Um, I got veterans working with me now. They've been working with me for, for many years. They're excited. Also, we have another program that we're implementing um, that I think is the next level to uh, affordable housing and jobs. That's going to really, really support the veterans. The veterans have total support from the VA. I've already spoke with them for veteran ownership. They got support through SBA, through VA that they can use their benefits. So those are the programs that we already got implemented, just waiting on a few things to happen so we can actually launch our first one in that. 
if people hear this and they get excited about this, they want to be a partner to you or they want, they're a contractor. What is your call to action for those people? How do they become a part of this if they want to be involved? I mean, it is a win-win to everybody. If it's a municipality and, and uh, they want to clean up their communities, it's a benefit to them. It's also homeless shelters because right now it costs a lot to house of one person. And our business model, they will cut their costs at least 60% because of insurance, because of, of light utilities, and, and a lot of other things that goes into having a stick of brick and mortar. Uh, but having this kind of project that's going to put people in one place, they have an HOA uh, model, that they have the whole HOA within their communities, within their assisted living communities. So they run their own communities. And because they, they, they do it now out on the street, believe it or not, they have a, their own system within the, the communities. And our system will be similar to that and give them ownership. And the system that you're talking about, is this a neighborhood that you're you got in mind, talk to me about the system that you're talking about. The system is called instant living. Uh, instant living is uh, instant living. We can build a house in four hours. The communities, it's uh, a group of them. They have their own toilets, showers um, with, with uh, solar energy. Um, all every home has solar energy on it. We have Wi-Fi within the community. They have a community kitchen in each community. Athens will be our first one. We have 60 units there working with Habitat. Uh, be our first model. Uh, second, we're looking at Fulton County. So Fulton County, then I think it's about three three hundred homes in Fulton County that we're looking at. Wow, with some of the ones here. So once we get that, for instance, if if someone they go on the, online on their phone, everyone has a phone out there. We, I've said did assessment. We did. I mean, they have phones, so they can go on our website and actually apply. Uh, very simple. Few questions that we ask them uh, in our assessment, and uh, they qualify for their home. Uh, that they will work and, and learn this trade. They become uh, bricklayers. We'll certify them as bricklayers, as trainers, and they help us build Atlanta. So we have transportation pool. They don't have transportation. We'll make sure we, we route with, with our transportation system. we have them going to and from work. So it's a total system, not just a home. We have a program that we can, we will make it sustainable and affordable as well as secure and safer for them out there. Share with me, why is stability sustainability? Stability is actually safe or secure. You know, I'm safe in my home. I'm st I'm stable. On the street, I promise you, I would be stable. Right. You know, watching who's licking who, where, where I am, the weather conditions, especially with COVID. So it's not stable in these tents on the bridge or on a park bench as we see them. And, you know, that's nothing stable about that. But sustainable is putting them in um, a plastic waste house, that plastic that was used for their house didn't go to the landfill or didn't go to the ocean or the river, but take that plastic and make a block with it, you know, that they can live in and make a living with it. That's taken sustainable and and, and, and affordable as well as a, uh, all the other solutions that, that's needed to help support a family or person or an individual. Yeah, there's a real synergy that you've got the opportunity to recycle plastic into a building material to build so that people have a place to call their own, that you're also training up a workforce. Lord knows we've got a work shortage, especially in the construction industry, especially in our area. And you're giving somebody the stability to, to rebuild their lives. I imagine that there's a lot of people who will be hearing this. Maybe they're not going to be in a position to partner with you. Maybe they're not contractors, uh, but they still want to support this. They want to help the momentum of this movement. What's a way that those people can get involved and be a part of this? Everyone has a passion, whether it be helping people or feeding, you know, counseling. Everyone has a part. We're here for a purpose. And I, I think meeting a person where they are 
and especially when if they see the need of a community, and most people do, they just don't have a solution and answer for that, so that problem. But I think when we come together as one, you know, get one, reach one, you know, don't give them a fish, but teach them how to fish. I think we all, it's going to take everybody. It's not going to take one person. I'm just one. I'm sure I can't do it by myself and won't even or try. But I believe we all work as one together. I, I believe we all can, can clean up and help a lot of our communities and people and give them a better life. Give us the ways that people can get in touch and find out more about it, whether websites or the phone numbers to reach out to you. They can reach me at Veterans Community, hopeveteranscommunity.org. Uh, also, you can reach me at blocksolutionus.com. Uh, my phone number here in Buckhead, uh, in Atlanta Tech Village, been here now for about 10 years, and the phone number here is um, 678-278-9557. Again, 678-278-9557. Uh, I'd love for them to be a part of it, to give us a call and see what we can do in their community. Thank you for joining us, friends, for another serving of common sense. This was not complicated, just green. Sponsored by Creative Interface Architecture and Interiors. Redefining the impact of great design, one client at a time. Check us out at www.creativeinterface.design.